When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome in the Seminole Rap Podcast here. Uh, I guess let me be the first to welcome you to May. May 1st, the the summer starts soon. The the football spring season now finished. Uh, the March of the year actually begins. The draft now also behind us as well. Uh, and I know, John, you've got a couple of things you want to touch on about the draft as well. Uh, but it's been a, a, I don't want to say hectic, tumultuous couple of weeks for this uh, Florida State football roster. And uh, we'll touch on that here in a second. And I also want to bring up a little bit about kind of where the the top power indexes in college football kind of look at FSU this year. So that's all kind of coming up on the show. So I appreciate you hanging on, joining us here on, uh, you know, this every other week that we do the show. Brian Peller in here with you, John Marchant, Max Escarpio all here. Uh, Max, I want to go to you first, man. Um, the transfers have been coming left and right. And, and guys, I think anyone would really recognize. Uh, Travis J, Micah Pittman, Bishop Thomas, Marion Cooper, Derek McClendon. We had the farmer in and back out of the portal. Uh, kind of a whole lot going on there. Where do you think this kind of roster shakes up? I mean, I think this is completely, basically most of them, aside from Micah Pittman, if you look, unless you look at him as a starter next season, I think this hurts your depth, obviously. You look at the linebacker room, you didn't have a lot there. You lose Brendan Gantt, so that's obviously going to hurt what you have on the sideline. Another player like that is Derek McClendon, who was probably going to have a nice season for Florida State. Wasn't going to start because you have Peyton and you have Verse there in front of him. So right now it's a lot of players that either a player like Bishop Thomas, who just is not going to see the field at all, and then a player like Derek McClendon and Brendan Gantt, maybe Micah Pittman, who just want to see more reps, who just want to see the field more often. So those players are going to try to go out and and get an opportunity for themselves because, you know, college football, you don't have, I mean, right now you probably have around like eight to 10 years, but usually you don't have that money that much time. Yeah. And, and uh, John, to bring it to you, I, I remember sitting on the pod last year, I think the three of us were discussing, uh, you know, Pittman transferring in, how much that could be a safety blanket for uh, Travis. It just kind of never really materialized. And then on your point on McClendon, uh, looking at ESPN's rankings of the top players in the spring 23 portal, he's number three behind uh, Bear Alexander, the D-tackle who transferred from Georgia and an offensive lineman out of Wyoming. But so McClendon, a big hit. Uh, and, you know, Pittman never really, I guess, developed into what we thought he would be. Yeah, I mean, Pittman had so he did some good things. He, you know, he was a bit of a smaller target, but he blocked really, really well downfield. That helps bring a bunch of big runs. 
Uh, yeah, McClendon was a starter type guy. He, I mean, he's good. He definitely hurts FSU's depth. I think Farber would have been the biggest hit to, you know, that Florida State had taken in the portal uh, since the portal began. Uh, but thankfully, he, he, I guess, you know, reevaluated his decision, came back in. But I mean, I think Max's point is correct. It hurts, right? I mean, you're, you know, for a while there, we thought things were, you know, going too good to be true kind of thing. And then you see some guys leave. And I think that's going to be how it is, right? especially among uh, teams that are stacked, right? You just, we see tons of kids leave out of Georgia every year there. We talked about this many, many times about 70% blue chip kids want to play, right? And they want those NIL opportunities. They could get somewhere else. And I'm sure they have tons and tons of people in their ear telling them, Hey, if you leave here and you come here, you can get a whole bunch of money, you know, your, your star, all that kind of stuff. And it's, it's hard to fault the kids for that. Um, but you know, it is, it is a little disappointing, right? Cause Florida state is primed to have a pretty exciting year. Uh, you just, you know, hope that, that these kids are getting good advice and, and they do what's best for them. I actually wanted to ask you guys about the NIL because I know you follow, I mean, some of the business side of college sports of how you think that comes about to, to the kids making their own decisions of wanting to go get a bigger NIL contract or money or how the money kind of schemes into their decisions. Well, uh, you know, technically NIL is not supposed to be, and obviously everyone's kind of giggling before you even start, but it's not supposed to be something you get until you end up on campus. Uh, but we all know that's not really working that way. Um, I mean, it, it really comes down to, I think, what, what John might have said there was the advice the kids are getting, right? The the conversations they're having. Um, you look at someone like, um, one of the names that comes to mind is like the uh, the Cavender Twins, right? At, at uh, Miami, the basketball, the women's basketball players. Uh, they were popular on TikTok, famous at at uh, Fresno State. They were able to transfer to Miami and um, ended up giving up a year of eligibility to go and explore other opportunities because they had parlayed that into enough businesses. Um, you know, and I think WWE contracts and such. But, you know, like uh, those opportunities are there. Um, and, and like John said, I mean, you can't really fault kids at this point to to realize, you know, maybe they look around and think, all right, well, maybe I'm not playing football forever. And this other university can give me outside opportunities through through NIL. That's just beyond the couple hundred thousand I might get today or the dozens of what, you know, a couple hundred bucks I get here and there for doing little ads. But, you know, maybe this university can get me a deal with a company I really want to work with going forward after football. John, you got thoughts there? Yeah, I mean, just just the act of playing instead of sitting on the bench, you know, that gets you on TV, right? Who knows if if that you make a couple of plays a booster, you know, hands you some money, stuff like that. And look, I think where the sport is going or at least where it needs to go at some point, I don't know how soon this is going to happen, is the players unionize, right? They they collectively bargain for a piece of the TV revenue pie. That's where I think this is all going. It just it could be 10, 20, 40 years from now. I don't know. But until then, yeah, these kids are going to get whatever they think that they can get. And I don't I don't fault them for it, but it, it will hurt, you know, the best teams where maybe we don't see uh, and a shout out to to Matt Minnick at Tom Ignatia for for this particular point. I think he's he's correct. And that we may not see, you know, as consistent national title contenders. Right. I mean, Georgia is always going to be Georgia as long as you have one in you know, Alabama, Ohio State for sure. But a lot of the other teams. You know, like Clemson rising up for five or six years in a row, they were national title contenders. We may not see that as much anymore, right? It may be, yeah, you make a run at it for a couple of years and you come back down, win 10 or nine games and then go back up. Because you're going to have depth guys leave for more opportunities, again, uh, because of NIL. So it, it is what it is. It's just the game's different and everyone's got to adjust.
And one big impact I think that that we we've all kind of hit on and to take it one extra step was that lack of depth, right? You lose all these guys and it really even focus it on Florida State. You lose this level of I don't want to call him backups, just depth. You know, McClendon obviously would being a being a guy who could start for you and and down the list, but that puts you one injury away from really turning your season around completely. You know, you, you can go from having a, a one of the best D tackles in the country to a guy rolling his ankle. And then you're, you're running out someone who's probably not, not really needs to be on the field when you could have, uh, you know, strong rotational pieces behind it. And those guys found opportunities elsewhere. You know, you really got to find, um, I don't want to even call it cheap depth. It, it seems like, like talking NFL wise, right? Like you find rotational veterans to fill in. You almost have to try and find those guys who are maybe playing at a lower level who can fill in um, your roster. We're like, yeah, I'm not going to get seen even if I start at Albany, but I can transfer to FSU and be that guy. And I mean, to take a Jared verse, obviously he's a, a, a special situation since he was so good. But, uh, you know, I right. think that's kind of the approach to fill depth. Well, it's it's almost like the minor league baseball system, right? Or at least the tiered system. It's really what college football is, right? Division mm. three, division two, and then it used to be with division one, right? FBS and now you know FCS is already split. And there's been a ton of talk among you know school administrators, athletic directors, presidents, things like that. That the top of you know then we have the power five, right? And the group of five. Now we're talking about maybe the power five is is the gap between them and the group of five is even bigger than it was you know ten years ago, twenty years ago. It's just completely different. And a lot of people think that, um, you know, the the top, the group of five, the power five, I mean, or maybe even a portion of the power five may break away for their own division at some point soon. So, yeah. And to your point, I mean, they're there. And, and this will be a perfect little segue there for those of you in the business transition. Uh, it's kind of where I wanted to go next. But to look at uh, you mentioned like the the tiers of college football. Um, so I, I pulled together for kind of a little preview we're going to do here about FSU season, but their rankings in the FPI and the, which is ESPN's football power index, kind of analytics based rankings and the SP plus rankings. Uh, John, I know you're a fan of that. That kind of looks at your returning talent, talent coming yeah. in. Um, but the SP plus rankings, they had a list by conference. Um, five through one uh, going, it's SEC, big 10, big 12, PAC 12 and ACC. Uh, their ratings cumulatively ACC is five with a 6.1. Number six is the AAC with a negative 7.5. So the gap is six to negative seven. So it, it it really is. There's five that are above zero that are competent football programs. And there's five that are negative six, seven and below. It, it's a clear line right at zero. It'd be like, there's five that are on a different tier than the other five. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So... I just there's a lot of talk that maybe the gaps are getting bigger, right? That's all. Yeah, and I and I I think it shows up to to then slip into these rankings and and we've talked about it a lot as we've gone through this offseason and and I seem to be hitting on it probably too much if you're out there like shut up, right? Um <laughs> but the expectations for this year, you know, I I think in the uh ESPN way too early rankings, uh Florida State was ranked 4th coming off a 10-win season, um which is really high. Um, you know, obviously last year was great and you're returning a ton of talent, uh, but fourth is high. And I was just curious, kind of looking at the other rankings, the statistic, you know, computer analytic based thought processes where that kind of puts Florida state. Um, so I want to start with the FPI ESPN's football power index. They, and get you guys take on this one. So the record projection 
on the FPI for Florida State is an 8.7 wins, 3.5 losses. So they've got them. If you're rounding, kind of like nine and three, kind of like eight and four ish, uh, is kind of where that falls. Uh, to give you the breakdown on why, and then I'll let you guys react off of that. Uh, so again, this is from ESPN's FBI. I want to give them credit, so I'm not just stealing their stuff. So after finishing ten and three with strong quarterback play from Jordan Travis, the Seminoles are getting heavy buzz. FBI really likes FSU, but maybe not as much as everyone else. The Seminoles rank 14th in FPI, though just two tenths away from. 12th, the model mostly buying the offense, number 10 in the country, but less confident in the defense, which is 26th. In general, FSU has lower talent rankings based on recruiting rankings of players on the roster than teams above it in the AP, in the FPI. Seminoles rank 17th in offensive talent, 24th in defensive talent, um, which is a lot, but not quite F top 10 level. Um, and they also make note that they think it has to do a lot with the talent gap between Clemson and FSU. Clemson ranks eighth in this statistic. FSU obviously farther behind. So that gives Clemson a 45% chance when the ACC, FSU 17. Uh, so to really get you guys' thoughts, eight and four, nine and three feels like almost kind of what we would, we would classify as a bare minimum. Max, I saw you shake your head when I said that. Well, I don't think eight and four. I think eight and four would be not bare minimum. I think that would be a, a loss for a season, I guess. A disappointing year. You're, I mean, you're bringing back just so much talent, so much. You're bringing back Trey Benson, Jordan Travis, Jared Verse, all these players saying they want to hashtag finish the climb. You can't have an eight and four season. You're just not going to look at this schedule and say you should lose four games there. It just, it just shouldn't happen. John, eight uh, and four. I think that's ridiculous. Uh, and like I said, it's it's kind of between eight and four and nine and three. So I don't want to just harp on eight and four, but it's kind but, of between the two. Uh, I mean, I haven't I haven't looked at the schedule in a while. I'm pretty sure the last time I looked at it, um, I I thought that there's a chance FSU could lose. Hold on, let me pull it up real quick. I so I thought let's say they you know the two biggest games right are Clemson and LSU right. And LSU doesn't really matter because they're not um, non conference. But you have them, those two opponents in your first four games. So FSU could start two and two. Me, everyone would say it'd be very disappointing, and I'm not going to argue that it wouldn't. But they could still do what they did last season and run the rest of the table, right? Virginia Tech, Syracuse, Duke, Wake, Pitt, Miami, North Alabama, and the Gators. They could run that table again just like they did last year and then a 10 and two. So I, I don't see them losing four games. If you... If you suffer, if Florida State suffers some bad injuries at key spots, then yes, I could see them doing nine and three. Um, I like to Max's point, rock bottom eight and four. But that's if if things go really off the rails uh, with injuries. Otherwise, this this team's winning ten games, in my opinion, at, at minimum. I, I think first of all, I mean, I think you can go eight and four with obviously knock on wood. But if even if Travis has to miss a game or two, I still think you can go eight and four. And then if you're looking at nine and three. Those three losses, I mean, I think you have, I don't think you would have to mark down Clemson, LSU, and then someone in the ACC who you think they can lose to. Because I just can't see two other teams say they win against LSU or they win against Clemson. I can't see two other teams that they lose to in the ACC. Uh, quick note on that. The um, LSU is the number four team in the FPI. So I imagine they're, they're marking that as a likely loss. They really like LSU this year. Um, kind of doing something similar, returning a lot of talent, a lot of transfers in as well. 
Um, but looking at the ACC, the next closest team to FSU is UNC. They're about five full points behind UNC, which is kind of the same gap between FSU and Clemson in the statistics in the models eyes. Uh, Miami is the next closest. They're about a point behind UNC. Uh, and then Syracuse, Pitt, and NC State are kind of in a collective 34, 35, 36. The rest of the conference is pretty far behind that. Um, so, I mean, I, I could only guess the model looks at Miami or Pitt. Um, but, I mean, I just saw this, was it the early betting odds came out, which very early betting odds. But, you know, I think Miami is is a double-digit underdog to Florida State in the way too early odds setting on that. I, I think I think I'm with y'all. I mean, I do think four losses would be a disappointment. Um but I, I kind of see the route that could take you there. But yeah, I, I think it would be a disappointment. Go ahead, Max. John, do you have the schedule up? Yeah. Who do you see? I mean, nine and three. Who do you see? I, I think they would have to lose. Honestly, you'd have, you'd have to lose to LSU and Clemson automatically. Yeah, you'd have to I lose mean, to LSU. Right. First. So who do you see them losing to in that ACC then that, that they're obviously not supposed to be losing to? Well, that's the thing. So, I mean, look, I'm not the biggest fan of FPI. I like it. I like um, Brian said, I like S&P plus better, but uh, the defensive rankings kind of sounded right to me. I will point out though, you know, going back to advanced metrics, all the other stuff. Um, I, I think recruiting rankings or the talents you have on offense doesn't matter as much as, as how you know, how much it matters on defense. But what we're really talking about is you're just dropping some game, right? They could lose to Virginia Tech. They could lose to to Wake again. They could lose to Pitt. They could lose to Miami. They could lose to the Gators. I, Do I, you know, I, I think Florida State's going to be favored in every game that's not LSU and Clemson. But they could easily drop one, right? Even if you're a 55 percent favorite in every one of your games, you're, you know, odd say you will drop one and finish nine three. It's just. They also do like they do like Florida. Florida's 18th on the list. I, I mean, I, I mean, you're going to Gainesville. You're going to Gainesville at the end of the season, so that can be something that that hurts you. As far as Miami, I saw a, an odds that FSU was a 17 point favorite. So that's a game that you definitely shouldn't lose. You're in Tallahassee. You shouldn't lose that game. I wanted to give an underdog, an underrated one, I guess, to to Duke. Actually, I think that's one that could kind of give FSU a little bit of run for their money as far as one of those underdogs that maybe I, I don't think they should, I don't think they will, but maybe snatch one of those games from FSU because Duke's returning nine of their starters on offense and they had a pretty efficient offense last year. So maybe that's one of those teams. If I had to choose one. Yeah, they do rank uh Duke 53rd, um, which is kind of middle. It's closer. It's really the fifth worst team in the conference. So probably around ninth coming down, but to John's uh, other one, he already brought up the SP plus. I'll read that one, which I think is a lot more favorable for FSU, um, though it's still slightly different. So they like that model also likes Duke a little bit more higher than Syracuse. So it's, it's a bump up and they're pretty close to Wake Forest on here as well. Um, so I'll read you the SP plus one. Number 11, Florida State, which is uh, has one of the biggest gaps from where the way too early has them. Mark Schleybaugh's way too early had them fourth. This has them number 11. It's the only disagreement in Schleybaugh's top 10. The schedule hands them a massive opportunity, though. Florida State is a projected favorite in at least of at least nine points in nine of their 12 games. So the model projects them to be at least double-digit favorites, or at least nine-point favorites in nine games. So that would be your, your figurative nine wins there, breaking the other one. And it allows them three relative toss-ups versus LSU and Orlando at Clemson and at Florida. They only need a break or two to finish top five-ish, even if SP Plus still has trust issues because of the Knowles 
recent iffy history to quick give you the run through on the conference here. This one actually has the SP plus has FSU number 11 ahead of Clemson, which is number 12. Uh, and then North Carolina, a pretty distant third again, Louisville fourth, Pitt fifth, Miami a lot further down on this one, sixth in the conference. Hmm. Uh, so, I mean, this one looks at it as Florida State has, uh, looking schedule-wise, there's essentially nine games Florida State should win, and three, I assume, again, they're looking at LSU as being a better football team than Florida State, um, and then Clemson and Florida being road games against teams the analytic, uh, the, the analysis likes, the data likes. Um, which obviously if you played those games on the road, it's tough, but you are still rated higher than Clemson in this. Um, and then my one other point I'd want to make sure we, we consider this year is the year the ACC gets rid of divisions, correct? It's just the two the two highest um, win-loss yeah, records. So, I mean, in theory, if your one conference loss is to Clemson, you would get a second crack at Clemson in the mm-hmm. ACC title game. So you'd have two shots to beat Clemson in that scenario. Um yeah, I mean, look, Florida State's going to have a top ten offense in the country this year as long as they can stay healthy. I mean, they're just going to they're going to score points against pretty much everybody. And I know the last couple of years Clemson's had a national championship level caliber defense; they're just elite across the board. But they lost a lot of guys, right? Like Murphy and Miles um, Murphy and, and Brian Breesy just got drafted highly. All both were first round picks. You know, can't, we've seen some chinks in the armor of Clemson, right? You know, DJ, you know, he just uh, had an article that came out about him, you know, transfer to Oregon State. He he kind of actually spoke publicly about some of the issues at Clemson behind the scenes that you don't hear about uh, too often. You know, how the, you know, the coaches didn't trust him. And even when he did what they asked him to do, uh, they still benched him in favor of Kate Klubnick. So, you know, they've got issues. Uh, I think that they're vulnerable, but are they still better than Florida State? Probably. They're definitely more talented. But are they a better team? I guess we'll find out. Um, you know, Kate, I, I don't, he's got, he's super talented too, but we'll, we'll see. Um, again, I'm expecting big things from Florida state. I, I think they will compete for the ACC title. I think it was, you know, right after the season ended, everyone went on TV and they're like, Oh, Florida state, you know, could be the team that beats Georgia. I I think that's way asking way too much at this point. I think Georgia's just way too talented or much more talented. That gap is enormous. Um, I don't think that Florida state would lose as, to Georgia as badly as TCU did. By any stretch of the imagination, but I think it's asking too much at this point. But I don't think it's asking too much to compete with Clemson and 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 try to win the ACC title. So that's where I'm expecting them to be. Uh, yeah, well, I guess we'll see. Do we do we all believe that probably UNC would be the only one that's just jabbing at them for that extra spot? Yeah, Drake May is really good, man. He's going to get drafted. He might be the first or second draft pick. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be Caleb and Drake, uh, one, two next year. Yeah. I mean, I don't think anyone really disagrees. But then again, at this time last year, we were sitting around talking about other quarterbacks being the top two or whatever. And you're like, Will Levis, everyone like Will Levis. And, and we saw what happened there. He was a second round pick. Um, I will say maybe the other team, because I was looking at ESPN's best defenses in college football, NC State is up there, I think, is number 10 or number 11 in terms of the best defenses. Um, They've you know, been tough. If you're one of the best defenses in college football year in and year out and you come back and do it again, you know, I don't know what their schedule looks like, but if you've got a lot of Virginia's and Boston colleges and Georgia techs on there, I could certainly see NC state waking up at one day and being like, you know, we're, we're one loss out of this thing. Yeah. I mean, they're, they've been tough and you know, what does Florida state, hold on, let me check. 
Yeah. Always got to look at NC State. Where are we? Are they not <laughs> even on the schedule this year anymore? Right? No. Yeah. Oof. Yeah, Thank NC God. NC State's schedule for conference games. They actually play Notre Dame, but conference is Virginia, Louisville, Duke, Clemson, Miami, Wake, Virginia Tech, North Carolina. So I mean, you could see NC State, UNC end of the season maybe being something that decides who the second team is. I mean, because by that right. weekend, Florida State is going to be done with their conference uh, slate. They'll be playing Florida. So it could be, you know, is it going to be a tie? Is there some kind of three-way tie? You know, I mean, I could see that because, I mean, I, I can't imagine Wake without Sam Hartman being much, but, you know, maybe they find another 19-year quarterback who runs mesh better than anybody, <laughs> and off they go again. Virginia Tech looks bad. Um, I was all over Virginia last year. They look bad. They they turned pretty bad. Um you it know, took a expected step back after Kenny Pickett left. I don't know how good they're going to be this year. Yeah, and they had a couple of uh, D linemen drafted this year. The the running back whose name I I am terrified of. Just at Benicanandi, I just there was I butchered it, butchered it, whatever. Two dollars. Um, yeah, I just don't see much to push them outside of North Carolina, NC State. But the models don't really like NC State. My guess is it's probably their offense is terrible. Um, well, yeah, I mean Devin Leary transferred out. You know, who else do they have? Did they get Armstrong? Is that where he went? Yeah, um, I think so. I, I was trying to figure out where Armstrong went. Yeah, NC State, you're right. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, maybe he he's the guy to help him. You know, if he if he runs a, a, a good offense, I liked him last year, and I sat here and I talked about how Virginia could be sneaky, and then they were absolutely horrible. So, I mean, <laughs> maybe, <laughs> you know, not to sit here and, and bang my head on it again, but... You know, I think this just kind of underscores that there's like, and and really, really hit it too. Let me pull into these rankings again. So to look overall in in both the FPI and the um, SP plus, FPI top three is Ohio State at 31, Alabama at 28, Georgia at 27, and the next closest team being LSU, who's barely at 22. So there's a huge gap. There's three teams and a massive gap. And it's pretty much the exact same thing in the SP plus it's the same thing. Yeah. Georgia 31, Ohio state, they actually have Michigan up here and then Bama, but then a huge fall off until you find Penn state and Tennessee. So I think any, once you get past that top three, it feels like there's this collection of like, somebody's got to be fourth, right? So, so there's four spots. We're not expanding yet. So there's only four spots, but someone has to be fourth. You know, is it Notre Dame with Hartman there now? Is it Clemson? Is it going to be Caleb and USC? Are Alabama and Georgia going to knock each other out again? Right. Well, we're essentially talking that Florida State has like maybe three perennial super teams. And then you have that second tier with everyone like Brian, you're saying Notre Dame, uh, Texas. I don't know what Oklahoma is going to look at. Florida State, right? Penn State, uh, you know, Michigan, all these kinds of guys. Right. uh, These these programs right in there. So I. I'm personally looking forward to the playoff spot. I, again, these these super teams aren't going to get hurt by anything, but they weren't going to anyway. But it's it's that whole next tier of teams that are all going to be scratching and clawing and fighting every single year, and I think that's going to be exciting. Um, it, it seems like you still have LSU there like every single, I mean, top four, top five, and all of those rankings that you're talking about. They lost a lot, though. Uh, well, I mean, I think the biggest thing for LSU was they were very deep on the D-line, which is where they lost most of their guys. Yeah. Um, they were very thin at corner where they made a couple of changes this the, the, in, in the transfer market. The offensive line as well was where they were really weak. Uh, and one thing I think that hurt them a ton last year was, and, and if during the FSU game, I think it might've been the first second snap of the game, 
their best defensive player, the defensive tackle, Mason Smith, tore his ACL. Um, so he was, I think, the best player probably on the team, and they didn't have him all year. So I think they get to add him back this year out of the injury thing. Um, models love him. They've, they've got Jalen Daniels back or Jane Daniels back. Um, they love him. We'll they got, they got we'll receivers. Saw, I saw a player that they love was Malik Neighbors. They love Malik Neighbors a lot. Yeah. Um, they think Jaden Daniels can take a step like Travis did. I'm skeptical. Players don't take steps like Travis did. It's super rare. And I, it's not that I dislike Daniels as a player. I just don't think he's as good as Travis. But, I mean, LSU is LSU, right? They're always going to recruit extremely well. And Brian Kelly, as much as I dislike him, he's a good coach. Yeah, so. I, I think that's a that's going to be an interesting team to watch. Um, I mean, you'll get them first game again. Um, but it, I think they're going to be interesting in just the what what – you know, like the hype thing, right? Because Texas is sitting right there behind them in a lot of these rankings. How many times have we done this with Texas? How many <laughs> times have we done this with Michigan? How many, you know what I mean? The Notre Dame again. It just seems like there's a list of teams here after Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia. That's just like, somebody's got to do it. But like this year, that was like Tennessee, right? Like Tennessee makes the run and, and TCU makes a run out of nowhere. Like someone in this four to 15 window has got to be the team to make a run and what makes florida state any worse than oregon utah we just saw them smoke oklahoma not but five months ago i mean you know like where where, how do they not this is a team that could absolutely find themselves playing in that spot just on the schedule alone if you win the nine you're supposed to and you win one of the three toss-ups two of the three toss-ups I mean, you're in it like that's you're you're in the ACC title game and you're you're playing for a, a, a playoff spot. But you can't get in there with two losses. Well, I, maybe. I mean, maybe you could. We don't know how many other teams. Well, because well, the other two is Alabama, it, Georgia, LSU and Tennessee are all te- all four teams ahead of you from the same conference. So, I mean, obviously all four of them can't go. Only two of them can make the conference title game. Georgia is just going to be a, a superhuman powerhouse again, because that's just what they do. And yeah, I think we we already checked in Georgia there. Georgia, and we're waiting for three the other spots. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, FSU could split LSU, Clemson, right? And it almost wouldn't matter which one, because if you get Clemson again in the end, that's the one you got to win. Because if you lose, if you if you like, say you lose to LSU, you beat Clemson, and then you lose to Clemson at the end, yeah, FSU's out. Then you're out, right? You have but to you win it- that. You do it the opposite and you're in. Right. And that's the other thing, too, that doesn't hurt you is that that loss would be at the beginning of the season. So, I mean, that's the only way. We uh, we did have the NFL draft this past weekend where our guy, uh, former friend of the show, still friend of the show, but, you know, former guest on the show, I guess, Jamie Robinson. He's at uh, Carolina, I believe I saw. Um, and, John, you had some a couple of interesting notes on, on just the draft and talent. I think you had pulled together kind of conference-wise you want to talk about. Yeah, so uh, just a quick run cap. Uh, can't talk today. A quick <laughs> recap of the draft and some things I thought were were a little bit interesting, right? So the 2023 NFL draft picks by uh, schools and conferences. This is uh, by CBS. So the SEC had 62 total. Uh, Alabama and Georgia led the way. I think all schools with with 10 each. Michigan had nine. Uh, Florida had six, right? Uh, which again, a lot of their fans I thought hilariously. Uh, wanted to boast about that, even though, you know, you had as many, I think, draft picks as wins, which is pretty, pretty terrible. You had more losses than you did draft picks. 
Uh, ACC had 32, almost half as many as the SEC. Clemson and Pitt led the way with six. Florida State, again, uh, Jamie Robinson only only had one. I believe he went in the fifth round. Uh, Big 12 with 30, Pac-12 27, the AAC 10. So I thought that was very, very interesting. Um, but I also wanted to kind of juxtapose that with an article that the, the Athletic published the other week uh, about how well teams develop talent. Um so the, this is kind of runs, these numbers kind of run from 2009, 2019. I'll just go through them real quick. Um, you know, at teams that, uh, so 2009 to 2019 is the players. And then, so the draft all obviously encompasses all the way up to 2022. So not this season, but up to last season. Uh, Florida State was 10th in turning five stars into drafted players at 59.3%. Um, Clemson was up there at the second best in the country over that span. It's turning five stars into drafted talent, 75%. Right. And then uh, Miami was fourth, surprisingly, Alabama fifth, Florida, the Gators were sixth. Right. So one thing, the reason why I'm pointing all this stuff out is I think it's interesting how often FSU's teams that they play showed up on these lists. Um, so the the teams that were worst at turning five stars into drafted talent, top two were Texas and Oklahoma, 23 and 25%. Uh, Notre Dame was on there, which is a little surprising. And then LSU, they were the eighth worst at turning five stars into drafted talent. Uh, when it comes to four stars, uh, Florida State was not either among the top 10 best or the top 10 worst, but Miami was second best among uh, turning four stars and drafted talent. Notre Dame and NC State were also on there, as was Clemson. And then uh, three stars, Florida State shows up again on the right side of the ledger, being the seventh best team, 15% turning three-star guys drafted, uh, getting them drafted. But we also saw LSU, Florida's on there, um, and then the uh, – so I thought that was interesting. And then they said the teams that, I guess conference-wise, let me do that. The team, so we know the SEC recruits the best, right? They send the most kids uh, into the league. They get drafted. But the team, the conference that was the best at developing talent and getting them drafted was the ACC overall, which I thought was really, really interesting. Again, going back to the stuff Brian had talked about with FPI and the S&P Plus, uh, but the development, so it wasn't just that, but the team better than anyone else in college, all of college football at uh, uh, drafting, getting kids drafted, developing them was Boston College. So overall, big picture stuff. Again, ACC doesn't, you know, have the best recruiting. They don't get as many guys in the league as other conferences, but no other conference, you know, that Florida State has to play all these guys turns, you know, gets them to the league. Uh, turns three stars into drafted guys. So I just thought that was interesting. Round one through real quick. Um, it's been a tough road, right? You know, I know Jimbo Fisher when he left, uh, Florida State's offensive line was bad, and then Willie Tiger kind of just nuked the rest of the roster. It's been a rough road back for Mike Norvell and the Knowles, uh, but they're kind of in a good spot now. I still think you know the strides need to be made in, in recruiting, especially out of out of high school. Uh, but it's just been tough. Yeah, and it's it's hard that your talent level gets nuked and then everyone else, all these, you know, the rivals that you play even down to Boston college is having kids play at a much higher level than the way they're recruiting. And it's, it's just been tough. And I think that that's worth talking about. Well, like I've been saying, the, the, the ACC has been getting carried by Boston college now for a decade. Yeah. <laughs> it's been outrageous. Right. But then you have Notre Dame in there and all the other stuff. So, and then Miami somehow has been, you know, playing above their talent level and still somehow underachieving, which is pretty fantastic and funny. Yeah. But, that's interesting. You know, Cause I, I mean, I think like, uh, like, I mean, Boston college is a good example this year. Cause you had like Zay flowers go in the first round and like that right. can ball. Um, you know, yeah, I mean, I don't first round last year too. Yeah. And yeah. Um, then they have an offensive lineman got hurt this year who was likely yeah. a first round pick as well. I mean, um, 
seems like they've got really good individual guys, but you know, I, I assume the, the education requirements to get in and stay in is, is making it nearly impossible. It's kind of the same, I guess, like Georgia tech. I assume Georgia tech is as much the same way as, as Boston college. And a lot of those uh, lower tier ACC teams. Right. I'm sure that's probably a lot to do with it. Of course, the only name that I think of for Boston college is Matt Ryan, but um <laughs> Well, and it's funny too. So, I mean, Florida State is one of those teams. They won 10 games last year and only had one guy drafted, and I was in the fifth round, right? And he didn't have a guy drafted in the top 100 picks. Uh, it's not, it's, it's not a thing that happens all the time. So, you know, it's a kudos. Again, we, you know, the battles in and NIL and stuff like brought a ton of kids back, including, uh, you know, Fabian Lovett. I think he would have been drafted third or fourth round, something like that. Um, but, you know, Travis, I'm not sure exactly where he'll get it drafted. This year's really, really big for him. Uh, Benson will probably get drafted. So Florida State has talent, but it all came back. Uh, but I still think it's interesting to only have one guy drafted off a team that won 10 games and is primed to, to at least make a run for the playoff. They may fall short, and that's okay. Uh, but, I mean, the team's loaded, and, and it should be fun. But Yeah, it certainly feels like they would have a lot more guys drafted if a lot of them had turned around. Like you mentioned, Fabian, and down the on down the line, I'm sure Jared would get drafted if he got to show up at the combine and someone just took a picture of him with just looking at him uh same with right. jordan i'm sure jordan's measures his speed and things would have jumped off the page you know those sorts of things i mean like you saw anthony richardson fly up the fourth when i don't think anyone thinks he's the world's greatest at throwing the football i think jordan obviously is, is a better passer than than richardson is right it, it, i mean who knows how many first round picks florida State's going to have next season but it should be a more active draft next year the point though is is the i think the development of florida state's program is back to where it was maybe around 2014 2015 with jimbo fisher it kind of had disappeared you know, until about a year ago or two years ago with, with Mike Norvell. So. Yeah. And we'll, we'll definitely have a chance to see how that all plays out as they uh, try to, I guess, outdo this 8.7 and 3.5 projected wins loss record. Uh, guys, thanks. It's a fun episode. A lot of looking ahead to what's to come and, and kind of breaking it down. Appreciate you giving us a listen all the way through. Uh, for Brian, John and Max, that's a wrap. 